Welcome to the house of the Lord. Amen. It's so good to be before the family of faith on this beautiful first Sunday of the month of November. My God, where has the year gone? We are slow, very quickly approaching the Thanksgiving holiday, man, and how awesome that is. And little by little, we're getting towards the end of the year. And how many can say as we look back over the year, anybody here say, Pastor, I'm thankful for all that God has done in my life. There's, there's reason for me to celebrate Jesus. There's reason for me to be thankful to God. There's reason for me to might even tell somebody just how good God is. Amen. Well, you look at your name and say, you got to tell people how good God is. Amen. If he's been good, you need to say it. Amen. And I know that God has been faithful through thick and the thin, and it's just good to look around and see his blessedness on the face of every single person here today. So, you know, we have been in the series, the names of God. I don't even, the names of Jesus, rather. I don't even know when it's going to end. It might end when the rapture comes. I don't know when it went. I just, I just know that this, this name is so rich and so full of the kingdom that I, I pray that as we're going through this lesson that you are taking note of the name by which you are sent. You're sent in Jesus' name. But Jesus' name is so rich and so profound, and we're trying to get to some of the, some of the names of, the, of Jesus. And just this last Sunday, we got into that beautiful name we call Emmanuel. Amen. We can literally say it's the title of Jesus. And how many today will say God is with you? How many, how many could say he's never left me, he's never forsaken me? That today I can boldly say he's been my helper, amen. And that's the whole gist uh, of Emmanuel. We got into some nuances of that last week. Today I am trying to perform a miracle in preaching one verse that is found by the prophet Isaiah. And in fact, if you'll stand with me right now, I want to show you this verse. And I'm going to, if the Spirit of the Lord will help me, I didn't know how I was going to handle this verse. The Spirit of the Lord gave me this particular verse to preach. I didn't know if it was going to be a, a, a weeks to finish this, but the, the Spirit just gave it to me to preach it to you this morning. So uh, look down at your clocks. Look down at your clocks right now. It's 1135. Uh, 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 watch, right? Thank you, baby. Look down at your watch, and it's 11, 1125. And I'm going to see if I can do this in about 30 minutes. So that's a miracle. Somebody say amen to that. That's, that's going to be amazing. 30, 40 minutes, we'll, we'll get to this. If you'll hear this message today, truly it'll transform your life. Truly, it'll put, it'll put a new mission, a, a, a new vibrancy in the way that you move in the world for God, right? Move in the world for Christ. So if you're in the book of Isaiah, go to chapter 9 and, and slide with me down to verse 6. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, attempt to preach a very, a very powerful verse uh, that the prophet Isaiah gave us, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to do it and expedite it uh, the way it, uh, I exergeted it, but expedite it because I know the time is of essence this morning. But if you're in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, go down with me to verse 6. You're familiar with this verse because if you've ever been in church during Christmas time, people like to pull this out during Christmas. But I want to pull it out right now because we're talking about the names of Jesus. And I want you to hear prophetically what's described or ascribed to the Lord. Notice what it says here. This is Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 6. It says this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called 
Catch this. Wonderful. Somebody say wonderful. His name shall be called Counselor. Now see that Counselor. His name shall be called the Mighty God. Look at that next one. The Everlasting Father. And lastly, the Prince of Peace. We're going to get into that verse today, and we're going to see where the Spirit of the Lord takes us. Are you ready to get into this? It's going to be some stuff. I've entitled this message for Unto Us, and I think you'll understand why it's titled uh, as such. Let's just get our minds, let's separate ourselves from all the things that could simply interfere with our minds and thoughts and processes in the Lord. This message needs to sink into us like never before. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this glorious day of birth made created for, for the expression of your mercies, <laughs> that they would reach us. And we thank you that this day is given to us, for this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I pray that we, we sanctify the day in rejoicing and gladness, because, Father, we know today is the day you've given us. We, we pray, Holy Spirit, that the words that will be said today will reach down into the very crevices of our heart. Uh, down, the Holy Spirit massage this message, that this message gets so down deep inside of us, even to the joint and marrow, that in season and in time it will produce back into the kingdom of God a hundred times that which was sown. We pray that blessing and that purpose to move over the house of the Lord. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. We pray we understand the very distinct purpose of that in this present hour. I pray your blessing, your help, your purpose as we move forward. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Welcome, everybody, to the house of the Lord, guests and members of life, those that are tuning in by stream. We welcome you here today. Amen. I'm going to do my very best to get through this in a timely way. Amen. I have often been endeared to God primarily because the way God appeared to me. Or could I even suggest the way God appeared unto Moses? Some of you are familiar with this appearing. The Bible says, of course, there was a burning bush. Moses comes to that burning bush and gets a revelation of God. God in his holiness. Uh, Moses, I'm sure, like you and I, a desire to see the very face of God. And he asked of the Lord, now catch this, Lord, can I see your glory? The Bible says that God responded by saying, no man can see my glory and live, but there's something I can show you. There's, the, 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 there's a rock, there's a cleft that I can hide you. And what I'm going to reveal to you, catch this church, is my goodness. Isn't it nice that the Bible says, oh, taste and see. The Lord is good. Isn't it an awesome revelation that your knowledge and understanding of God was based and predicated upon His very goodness? Somebody say amen to that. I mean, God could have been foul and rotten because you were foul and rotten. But God said, I'm going to show you my goodness. Do you know that the Bible records that when Moses saw the manifested goodness of God, catch this, that his face did shine like 
the very sun. He radiated in the goodness. Do I have anybody here this morning that just for a moment can stop back and pause and think, do you radiate the goodness of God? Uh, has your life uh, been nothing but the taking uh, and, and rather than to the, to the giving? Have, have we become so inundated in our own lives that we can't examine just how blessed we truly are? God's been good. Look at your name and say, God's been good, brothers and sisters. God's been good. Uh, 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 can, I, can I go a little, a little further in the steps of the manifest the goodness of God? I, I, I want to walk you to something. Uh, 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 this past week when I was meditating, I was in my prayer closet, and I was just, uh, just enthralled in the goodness of God. And, and, and I noticed that in that prayer time, as the Lord often does, He began to minister to me. Anybody ever been ministered to in your prayer closet where you came and you, 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 you were praying and, and, and loving on God, and then all of a sudden you felt Him loving on you too? Uh, one of the neat things uh, that the Spirit of the Lord reminded me, I was in my prayer closet, and he reminded me of a verse. And in fact, I want you to open your Bibles. Uh, j- just the men, just the men. Ladies, y'all just chill. Uh, you, you, you let your husband do it, because I want to give to your husband uh, some beautiful meditation. Check this out. Uh, men, open your Bible, First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Men, open your Bible, First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Men, open your Bible, First uh, 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 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says this. Likewise, ye husbands. Check this out. Listen to this knowledge. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as heirs together in the grace of life. Watch this. That your prayers be not hindered. Uh, Isn't this a beautiful concept that, guys, you have to dwell with your wife, listen to this, according to knowledge. In other words, you've got to know her. Let me say that one more time. Husbands, you got to know her. Let me say that one more time. I got one amen. Everybody else don't know what to say. Uh, husbands, listen, if you're going to dwell with your wife, you've got to know her. Isn't true intimacy the expression of knowledge one to another? Isn't the true devotion, the true measure of a relationship is that you know her and she knows you? Now stop and consider what I just told you. I'm giving you the nuance of relationship. You've got to know her if you're going to dwell with her. If you're going to live, if you're going to make it, you've got to know that woman. Ah, oh, somebody, somebody, guys, come on, y'all look like I'm talking, uh, you know, astrophysics with you. I'm talking Bible with you. Listen, you got to know her. You got to know her. Now watch this. For unto us. For unto us a child is born. For for unto us a son is given. That the bride might know the groom. And the groom might know the bride. God, Jesus, came to know you. Let me say that one more time. Y'all didn't get that. Jesus came to this earth to know you. For the Bible says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. In other words, he's the mediator. 
He's the one that can touch God and touch you too. For there is one God and one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. That God gave to us somebody who knows what you're going through. For unto us is given a child that's going to know what it is to be a child. Who's going to know what it is to be weaned of his mother. Who has his diaper changed. Who, who sucks on his mother's breast. He gave to us a child and a son. And who did he give it to? He gave it to you. That you might know God and he might know you. It's not this, the teaching of Jesus, when he told us that eternal life is what? The knowledge of God the Father and the one to whom he sent. Everlasting life is predicated upon knowledge. And today, God knows you better than you know yourself. How many are thankful that God knows you better than you know yourself? He knows what you love. He knows what moves you. He knows how to get your attention. He knows how to direct you in the right way. He knows your nuances. He, he even knows a little bit about your stupidity. Anybody glad of, of, of just how great God is and his long suffering towards you? Anybody here could applaud the idea that God's been patient with you? And, and that God has bared with you, and He's walked with you, and He's talked with you, and He's moved in you, and He stirs in you, and He knows you, and He moves through you. All the things that God does for unto us. Listen, you've got to get this. For unto us. You can tap your chest. For unto me a child is born. For unto me a son is given. That God would know you. And you would know Him. How many are thankful today that you have a knowledge of God? so thankful that I have a knowledge of God. Yeah. The stupendous things, the, the wonderful things, that the knowledge of Him and me that has caused me to grow in the light of the kingdom of heaven. For unto us, a child is born. For unto us, a son is given. Did you notice the next phrase in that Isaiah 9, 6? Because uh, this is where I think you and I are probably going to deviate. Uh, I'm going to say something, and this is probably where 99.9% .9 of all the Christians, this is where we all separate ourselves. And just a few tiny select few understand what this is all about. Do, do you understand that Jesus is about government? Let, let me say it again. I, I want you to hear this. For the government shall be upon his shoulder. Uh, it amazes me that the believer forgets that the kingdom of heaven is government. And the preaching of that kingdom and its benefit and its purpose and why God said, Do you know that there's going to come an hour where there's going to be a literal kingdom that comes out of the very heaven itself and settles itself upon Jerusalem and Jesus Christ is going to reign here on earth and we're going to reign with him. Does anybody here know that? Anybody here know that we're going to reign with Jesus? Anybody here know that? We got all this other little rhetoric and people talking and infighting and what about this and what about that and this doctrine and that and the other. And we're not getting on with the business of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Jesus comes as a political figure. If you don't think so, go back and examine his crucifixion. 
When he stood before Pontius Pilate, he says, I want to know, I want to know, are you the king of the Jews? And brother, anybody here that knows anything about the name Yeshua, we know that he is Messiah. What does it say to say Messiah? That he is king. And how many know there can be no king if he don't have no subjects? What good is it to talk, call Jesus Lord if he don't have domain, if he don't have rulership, if he don't have authority? This is kingdom talk. Most people are just blabbering around about a lot of stuff, but they're not about the kingdom yet. The kingdom rests in him. And so what happens is that what, what, what the prophet Isaiah is giving to you an image, a snapshot of his kingdom. Somebody say hallelujah. How many believe that there's a kingdom, right? When Pilate asked him, tell me, are you the king's shoes? He says, if my kingdom was from hence, and when my servants come to deliver me. But just know that my kingdom's not now, but it's spiritual, but it's coming. How many believe there's a, spirit, that there's a kingdom coming? Right? How many have heard of the millennium, right? How many know we're going to reign a thousand years with Jesus? And their world is going to know what it is to be reigned by a king, by a Messiah. I wish that I could turn you over into that leaf. I wish I could grab the church and just shake it through and say, let's get busy about the kingdom. Let's get busy about the work of the kingdom, the business of the Father. Even Jesus, when he was 12 years old, knew enough that he should be about the business of his Father. And you need to be about the business. Look at your say, you got to be about the business, baby. It's more than just coming to church, though I appreciate church. It's more than just reading your Bible. It's more than just prayer and meditation. And consecration. It's about moving the kingdom. So, so what does the prophet do? The prophet Isaiah says, and his name shall be called, catches, wonderful. Yeah. See, most people, when we hear wonderful in our vernacular, because English can be so subjective, you know, you can say, oh, uh, the cowboys are wonderful. <laughs> oh, chocolate cake is wonderful. And don't capture the truth of what the scriptures are teaching. A wonderful means to be, watch this, miraculous. To be filled with awe. A miracle. How many believe that your Jesus is miraculous? The prophet Isaiah says he's going to start first with what? The supernatural. How many believe the kingdom of heaven is supernatural? I believe it's supernatural. I, I, and because it's spiritual, it's supernatural, right? And so I believe that he is wonderful. He's the miracle maker. Oh, I wish I had somebody out there saying hallelujah. Jesus is wonderful. He's miraculous. He's the miracle maker. Before you can get started in the kingdom, you have to know that he's the miracle. You remember him? When Mary says well, to, to the archangel Gabriel, how can these things be seen that I know not a man? Don't worry about that. For the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And what will be born in you will be born of the Holy Ghost himself. Miraculous. Brothers and sisters, do you understand how miraculous the kingdom is? The government of Jesus is miraculous. And we go out in that frame of mind that it is a miraculous kingdom. 
You don't think so? This is what this is what I've been taught throughout the scriptures. And as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right. Heal the sick. Right. Cleanse the lepers. Yeah. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. It is a miraculous kingdom. And brothers and sisters, when we begin to understand the names of Jesus wasn't just given to you so that you could say the name. The name of Jesus was for you to go out into the world and to demonstrate that his government is real and that it is true. Because, you know, we hear a lot of people, you know, today, I don't know if you've been watching TV at all this week. How many have been seeing all the political ads on TV? Everybody's, you, you, you need this guy because he can do this, that, and the other. And if, and if you get that guy, well, if you get him, this is what he's going to do to you. And this guy over here, you see, he's going to help you with this and help you with that. And we're all in arms. We're, we're all ready to go vote. But there's a kingdom that Isaiah says is wonderful. Not only that, not only is it wonderful, not only is it miraculous, but there's a counselor there. There's a counselor there that's going to revolutionize your mind with his very words. I'll say it like this. I, 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 I say it just because the Spirit of the Lord was moving to me this past week. And he reminded me of the story. Y'all remember the story where, where Peter and John were on the way to the temple, beautiful to pray? The Bible says at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And there was a man begging alms. You remember this story? And, and as he begged alms, uh, uh, Peter and John stopped. And, and Peter said, look on me. And, and the beggar looked on Peter, uh, thinking that he was going to receive some alms. And, and Peter said this. Silver and gold have I none. Such as I have, give I unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he extended his right hand and brought that man to his feet. A man who was born from the womb of his mother, deformed and maimed, stood up and walked. The Bible says, the Bible says that people were casting their eyes upon Peter. And Peter said, why look ye upon me? As though through my own ability I'd make this man to walk. The Bible says such a stir was caused around Jerusalem that even the Sanhedrin, Ananias and Caiaphas brought him before the Sanhedrin. And the Bible records that Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, watch this, that they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they perceived, watch this, and they perceived within themselves that these men were unlearned and ignorant men. The Bible records they marveled. And they took knowledge, watch this, that these men had been with Jesus. Y'all ain't there yet. Let me give it to you this way. Paul says this to the church at Corinth. You see your calling, brethren? Are there not many mighty, not many noble are called? For God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And he's chosen the weak things to confound the mighty. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus began his ministry, he went and found fishermen, unlearned people, men of no renown, people who, who probably couldn't even read or write. And what did he do? He counseled them with his words. They became wise in the kingdom of heaven. How many today can say in your understanding and your reading of the word and the counsel of what Jesus said that your mind has been renewed and it's been changed? 
How many here today can say, Lord, I thank you that you have given me a wisdom that can only come from you. And my life has been radically transformed by the knowledge of your words. You see, he is counselor. In fact, I've even heard it said that you can put these two words together and literally say, wonderful counselor. A miracle has taken place in your mind. How many are thankful that miracle took place in your mind? You remember how you used to be. You was a fool. You, you did stupid stuff. You don't know why you did it. You was just, you was a brute, uh, uh, let's say a brute beast, just acting upon every whim and upon every desire. It's amazing the Holy Ghost got a hold of you and began to talk with you and began to share stuff with you. And all of a sudden now, you're spewing out knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And you would even know, imagine this, that you would even know who God is. By the power of His Spirit. How many are thankful you have a knowledge that the counselors graced your mind? There is a knowledge and a renewal of what God wants to do in your life. Oh, how powerful that is. In fact, I'm just Spirit's talking to me right now. Uh, go, go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, the Spirit's talking to me. How amazing that is that now I'm full of the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven. And when I used to be a fool, now I've become wise in the kingdom of God. You there in, he, in Isaiah chapter 11. I could quote this verse. I'll read it for you. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Aren't you thankful? That today now you can look out on the world and see the world as God sees it? Isn't it amazing now that when you go into your prayer closet, when you didn't know what to pray, that now you can pray like a, like a sharpshooter in your prayer closet, and you can point your finger right in the devil's face and say, in the name of Jesus, I command you in his mighty name. Isn't it amazing now that you can look at somebody and get discernment and understanding and wisdom, that you can lay hands on people and they recover, that you speak in the power of God. I wish I had a witness there. But listen, brothers and sisters, he is wonderful counselor. And he is the mighty God. It is, it is amazing to me to see the culture not realize just how mighty Jesus is. Let me say that one more time. Let me say that statement one more time. Because the Spirit's already stirring my heart a little bit. It is amazing to see so many people that don't know how mighty he is. Let me say that one more time because, because somebody might need to just maybe pose that as a question for your spiritual life. It is amazing to see so many people who cannot perceive just how mighty Jesus is. Let, let me address the L part, E-L, right? Emmanuel, the E-L. Let me address the L, God part. Do, do you know today that every believer attributes to Jesus divinity? And we do that because we primarily say of the Lord that he is God. How many believe that Jesus is God? Uh, th th this expression of Jesus being God is taught very plainly because we believe that God, that Jesus is chainless. How many know that the Bible says in Hebrews 13 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever? 
Sounds a lot like Malachi 3, 6. For I, the Lord thy God, I change not, lest the sons of Jacob be consumed. We attribute to Jesus what is called immutability, that he is changeless. And how many know that anything that's perfect need not be changed? Do you know that in the church we attribute to God what we call omnipresence? For the Bible says wherever two or three come together, there he is in the very midst of us. How many believe that Jesus is here? You've attributed to him God, <laughs> likeness, and what we call omnipresence. It is amazing to me that the believer understands that Jesus knows all things. How many believe that Jesus knows all things? That the Bible says that we have, a, we have not a high priest who cannot, cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That there Jesus stands between you and God. He touches you and he touches him. That Jesus knows what we need and what we're going through. He is God. But he's also mighty God. Give it to you like this. He was despised and rejected of men. A, a, a man of sorrows and, and acquainted with grief. And we as it were hid our faces from him. He was rejected and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We did esteem him straightened, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We like sheep have all gone astray and everyone has turned to his own way. And God hath laid the iniquity of us all upon him. He is mighty God. Can you imagine that Jesus took all of the iniquity of the world to that one singular cross and paid the price at one moment, what we call atonement, for every single man and woman. And the Bible says there was no guile found in his mouth. For if there was any guile found in his mouth, he would have rebuked the people that crucified him. But what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He is the mighty God. Can you imagine? Taking all of the world's sin to the cross. Everybody in here knows what guilt feels like. There's not one person in here who has done something against God that didn't feel that remorse on the inside. If you've ever failed the Lord, and brothers, I have failed the Lord, to feel that remorse creep over me. And the, and, the, and the ease by which the enemy causes you to feel a level of condemnation. Much less to have every disease known to man placed upon you. How many know what it's like to live with a guilty conscience and the way it weighs you down? Imagine having the collective guilty conscience of the whole world placed onto one man. Imagine knowing what it's like to bear every sickness. If you have cancer, Jesus knows what it feels like. Whatever disease, whatever had been known to men, whatever illness, whatever infirmity was placed upon one man, you know what? He took that to the cross. 
And he carried the cross for himself. He is the mighty God. He's mighty. Think about this for a minute. The first man, Adam, what did he fall? His wife tricked him into eating. Or so they say. His wife fell. Eve fell at just the very visual appearance of fruit. The first Adam failed us. The second Adam. Was made to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That you might be made the righteousness of God in him. He is mighty God. He is the fullness and the consummation of the fullness and might of God. He is God. Y'all want to go a little deeper? He is the everlasting Father. The original Hebrew says that he is Abiad, which literally translates, catch this, the Father of Eternity. Did you catch that? He is the father of eternity. Let me, let me give you the scriptures. You can find it in Hebrews 1. You can find it in Colossians 1. I love quoting Colossians 1.16. It's one of my favorite verses. For by him were all things created. Watch this. That is in heaven. And that is in the earth. Visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him do all things consist. Do, do you know that when you go outside and look at the cosmos, what God is doing is showing off the glory of His Son. That God made it all for him to show you just how spectacular he is. And though I may not be able to peer into the third heaven, God has surrounded me with the cosmos and the creation of his hands that I might know just how excellent Jesus is. Every mountain, every stream, every ocean, everything that lives and has being, has being because of him. Because in him we live and move and have our being, brothers and sisters. He is excellent. Eternity exists because of him. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. All of eternity exists because of him. And because of him, you get to participate in eternity. Do you know that in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the trump shall sound? And every man, woman that's dead, pulverized by time. The Bible says we'll rise up to meet Jesus in the clouds in heaven. Brothers and sisters, you are going to be made immortal by the very power of the Father of all of eternity. Somebody say hallelujah. He is mighty. He is eternal. Listen, I tell people if God can bring back together somebody that died 5,000 years ago, what is it for you to point at somebody in the ICU room and say, get up and walk? Yeah. 
fuego. All right. He's the Prince of Peace. This is what gets my juices flowing, right? Because we're in a political environment now. I think you see it. I, I, I believe the world is being primed. What is it being primed for the world? For the Antichrist. You see, I'm not looking for him. I'm looking for the Prince of Peace. But, but, but there is the Antichrist coming. And what is he going to promise? Peace and safety. Uh, see, the vernacular in, in English doesn't, doesn't really help us embody the idea of peace. You ever heard somebody say to you, Shalom? Uh, shalom is, is deeper than just the tense of, 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 of maybe peace. We, we call it being, you know, peace and quiet, calm and quiet. We call that peace, right? Anybody ever tell somebody, just give me some peace and quiet. Shalom means completeness. Be whole. Be complete. Uh, Paul gives us a, a quotient to remember. He says, brother, I don't need to remind you. I, I, I don't need to speak words to you that will cause you to be mindful of the day in which you live. That the coming of the Lord is going to come like the thief in the night. But it's not going to happen to us that way. He says, for the moment that they declare peace and safety, then suddenly destruction. This is what my Bible teaches me. There was one man born who Jesus declared was the greatest man born apart from his very self. And that's the man we call John the Baptist. Uh, you remember him because in the very womb of his mother, at the salutation of Elizabeth to Mary, that John leaped in his mother's womb and was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a bad boy. When you jump in your mother's womb and start speaking in tongues, man, right? In embryonic fluid, just, just underwater, just speaking the, the Holy the tongues, just powerful. We know that when John the Baptist was born, he has a mission. The Bible says his mission, his distinct mission, was to prepare ye the way for the Lord. The Bible says in that man, John the Baptist, was in the wilderness preaching, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first recorded message of the gospel that Jesus preached wasn't believe in me and you'll get forgiven. Let me say that again. Jesus never preached believe me and, and, and be saved. This is what Jesus preached. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's more than Jesus. He's king. He's Messiah. That he has a government. 
And, and do you know that, 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 that this Prince of Peace, the, the one who's going to usher into the world what it's like to be completely whole, what it's like to be under his rulership, is soon arriving. But this is what he said to his disciples. And as you preach, go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. For freely you have received, freely give. Jesus said, they asked him, Lord, when will be the sign of thy coming? He says, whenever the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is preached, then the end is near. This is our news. This is our news for, for a world that's looking for a political figure. For somebody who they perceive is going to be priest. And they're just being set up. They're just being set up for the Antichrist. Let me say it again. The world that's searching for a political figure that they believe is going to bring peace to the earth. They're just being set up for the Antichrist. But we have the good news. You say, preacher, what's the good news? That Jesus Christ is going to set up his kingdom here. And he's going to usher in a millennium of peace like the world has never seen. And all those that believe in his name and believe in the kingdom, we're already out expanding the kingdom of God. We're already out doing the work. Why? Because the work is on his shoulders. Right? The work of the kingdom. And God has sent us out in a wonderful name. In the name of the counselor, in the name of Elma, the, the, the El, you know, El Shaddai, the mighty God. And he sent us out into a world to preach this marvelous news. He sent us out with miraculous power and ability. For these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. In my name, they shall speak in new tongues. In my name, if they take up serpents or drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Watch this. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are in the Lord. But if you don't understand this whole message, this gospel is about a government, then you don't understand what kingdom you're in. If you've never come around to understanding that Jesus is more than a savior spiritually, he is the king. He is the Messiah. The whole earth is his. Whether they be thrones, or dominions, or principalities, or powers, it's all made by him and for him. You're sent in that name. Will you stand with me for a moment? Just, just stand up and think this through. I want, I want you to get Jesus out of your, your spiritual figure. And, and, and brothers and sisters, I, I know that he's spiritual. Trust me. But I want you to put Jesus back as Messiah, as King. 
Look, I'll tell you like Jesus said. Jesus, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Look, I, I, I want you to understand that every king, every, every king has dominion. Let me say that again. Every king has dominion. Every king, listen, has authority. Every king has subjects, citizens. Do you believe that you're a citizen of the kingdom of God? Have you pledged your allegiance to your king, to your Messiah? To say, I'm here to do your work until you come? Just so you know, you know, I, I follow politics a little bit. People get into bad-mouthing one another, and this guy did this, and he said he'd do that and didn't do it. And, and, and we know, politically speaking, that who's ever in power, it impacts our lives, right? And so we, we, we do our civic duty, our, our duty to go out and elect those people who we believe best represents our own belief system, right? To the best of that, I, I understand the, the novelty and the idea. I, I also understand that anybody that has their hopes in politicians is in a bad place. It's a hope unfounded. My king says, I've imparted to you the benefit of the kingdom of heaven so that you can give it to others. Let me say that again. I think that fell on deaf ears. Let me say it again. I don't know if anybody heard that. Jesus has given to me the benefit of the kingdom of heaven. That I might go and give it to others. I don't know if anybody heard that. I got to say that again. Man, this is why the Spirit of the Lord sent me here this morning. God has given to me the, the, the benefit of the kingdom of heaven that I might impart that benefit to somebody else. You see, it was freely given. I have to freely let it go. I, I, I've, I've been anointed. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the covering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, brothers and sisters, I know why God has me here. And I pray you do too. Oh, family, brethren, are you praying with me? This is about a government and a kingdom that Jesus said, I'm going to come and usher in a wholeness and a completeness like the world has never seen. And it's all in my name. And I'm sending you forward to advance my kingdom till I come. To some, in this mighty parable of the talents, some have multiplied that talent five to ten, two to four. Some have done nothing but simply hid it. This is the occasion where we hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
For you have been faithful in little things. Now I'll make you faithful in much. Do you know that Jesus began to give to these men cities to run for the kingdom? You have ten, now run ten cities. You have four, now run four cities. But there was one who knew of his lordship, who knew of his ability. And the Bible says he hid that treasure. You exactly know what that treasure is. For Jesus said, do not lay up treasure where moth and rust are corrupt and do come forth to steal, but lay up your treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you know that this man who is rebuked of the Lord 